0: Welcome to Good Hockey Talk here on 105.9 The X. I am Phil Bork, and I will be your host for the next half hour of good old-fashioned hockey talk. And uh, with this being the 30th anniversary of the Penguins' first Stanley Cup in 1991, we'd like to take a little lap and bring in some of the Key uh, players from that 91 championship team, and um, we've kind of gone all over the place. We've had Paul Coffey, we've had Craig Patrick, we've had Wendell Young, we've had Jimmy Pack, we've had, uh, you know, some of the stars, but also, as uh, all you listeners know, it takes more than the stars to win a Stanley Cup. And that's why I'm bringing in this special guest for this week's show because he was a glue guy. You know, he's one of those guys that you just loved in the locker room and did so many little things. To help the Penguins win that cup in 1991, he was number 15 in your program, but always number one in your heart. Penguins forward Randy Gillen. Hey, Gilly, how are you?
1: I'm great, Porky. How are you doing? I'm happy to be here.
0: Listen, Gilly, the, the big reason I wanted to bring you on uh, was I saw uh, read an interview that you did, and you talked about, and you went to a lot of different places throughout your career. And we're going to get to your career a little bit, but just quickly. The passion in the words that I read in this interview and how much you absolutely loved being in Pittsburgh. You were in a bunch of different places, and I know you're from Winnipeg, and I know you're the unofficial mayor of Winnipeg, and you love it there. (laughs) For whatever reason, you love it there. But the passion that you had for being here in Pittsburgh, and I know it always is a little bit better when you win a championship, but we didn't win a championship the year that you got here, but you still absolutely loved the locker room, and you loved everything about the Berg.
1: I love Pittsburgh. I I, I think from the first moment I got there, it just, there's lots of places you go and it takes you a while to adjust, but Pittsburgh for me felt like home from the first day I pulled into the city and and moved in there. I I don't think I've, I I don't think I've ever had so much fun as the two years I had in (laughs) Pittsburgh. And that's, uh, that's attributed to the teammates I had. We just had a great group of guys and you hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, you have fun when you win, but it was more than that. It was the city, just everything about Pittsburgh I fell in love with.
0: Now, Gilly, you were the first player ever born in Germany to win the Stanley Cup. I'm going to try to get this right, and correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Zweibrucken is, is the town. You who, almost nailed it. I almost got it? Yeah. Why don't you say it? so you got I, it. Go ahead and say yeah, it. Zweibrucken. So. Zweibrucken, okay. Uh, yeah. Why were you? Why, why what would? What happened with Germany? Why, why were you in Germany? Why were you born in Germany? And then, how did you get from Germany? When did you come to Canada and uh, plant your roots in Winnipeg?
1: I was born in Zweibrucken because my dad was a member of the Canadian Armed Forces okay. stationed over there. So we uh, he was on a tour over in, in Germany and uh, we spent a few years over there, and then. Uh, and then move back to Winnipeg. So uh, yeah, I, I've I've never been since uh, since I've I've grown. And uh, when all this nonsense gets over, this COVID nonsense, it's one of the trips that I have planned. I'd love wow. to go through uh, Germany and Europe and just uh, and just see you know where I was born. And you would not believe it; it's amazing how many letters I get from German kids and hockey players. <laughs> Still, wow. to this day, uh, with uh, wanting, uh, you know, sending Penguin stuff and other teams that I wanted, wanted an autographed and sent back to Germany. So it's, uh, yeah, I was a Canadian guy born on, on, a, on an Air Force base, but uh, that's how it all came about.
0: Uh, your dad, Sid, who I met uh, met a couple times at the old ground round in the the South Hills, uh, no longer with us. Uh, sorry to hear that, Gilly. But I, I always like to hear the stories of growing up, and especially in a hockey community like Winnipeg, like you did, the influence your dad had on you as a hockey player. Is there any fond memories or anything special you can talk about?
1: Oh, I've got a million memories of my dad. My dad, obviously, and my mom, uh, I think most most guys are, you know, whether they're involved in any kind of athletics, it's a double parent thing. But my dad, was, my dad was actually a pretty good player. And One of the things when he did do his tour in Europe was he played on the team that was over there, that was stationed over there.
0: The military but, team.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a traveling team that went around and played. And, and uh, their uniforms are, were much like how the Winnipeg Jets are now oh, wow. uh, designed. But uh, you know, my dad was just a guy that loved the game, and I think uh, I think he passed the, the greatest gift he ever gave me was the love of the game. I, I just loved hockey, loved playing it, loved being around the guys, and uh, and that was my dad. My dad was a funny, funny guy and just loved to play the game and you can talk about the times he spent outdoors with you or at the rink with you and all those things but i think the greatest thing he gave me was just the absolute love of the game
0: well that's a that's a great story man that just it just gives me goosebumps hearing that and the relationship you had with your dad and obviously uh he taught you the right things gilly i didn't realize this i'm going to spit some numbers out that you you were an unbelievable offensive player, and I knew you always had a good shot, and you know, you had some time and space that you could pick a corner and you could rip it at the NHL level, but you never had the numbers like you had in junior, playing for the uh, Winnipeg Warriors in the Western Hockey League, 82-83, 71 games, 57 goals and 101 points, Gilly, yeah, I mean this is this is incredible that i mean you had a year in the eye in fort wayne 44 goals sherbrooke in the american hockey league 36 goals um, you you played uh, in is in moncton you had 40 goals i mean it's it's incredible i mean talk about that going from uh, just an elite goal scorer how did you change your game to be a you know a penalty killer face off guy mucker grinder type of player
1: that's that's a great question, Borky. Great question. I I think every guy that comes out of junior college or we 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 all kind of excelled and we were we were we were good players at what we did. And, and I had the numbers in junior. I was a goal scorer, and and same with the American League. And I remember getting called up. This is an absolute true story to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and John Ferguson was the general manager, and uh, Dan Maloney, old time oh, yeah. hockey guy was uh, was the head coach so i i was up for a little bit and i was playing and uh going about my business and then they sent me back down to the minor leagues and dan maloney called me in and i will never forget this he had the depth chart up behind him all the names written on the board and he looked at me and he said where do you fit in here and i kind of sat there and looked at it and then at that time the Jets center ice position was Dale Howarchuk, who's the Hall of Famer. Yeah, Thomas Dean, who was an unbelievable player if you remember Borky. Sure. And Laurie Boschman wow. was a great third line center. Yeah. So he just looked at me and he just said, Your path to the National Hockey League needs to be, you need to be a checker, good face off guy, responsible defensively. If you're going to break into our organization, he just said, I don't know if, you're, if, uh, if somebody else might take you like that, but in our organization, you're going to have to learn how to do this. And I went back to the minor leagues for just a short stint again. And uh, Rick Bonus was my coach down there. He was the coach of Dallas now. And we right. talked about it. We really worked on my defensive game and I got called back up and never went back down
0: incredible story i want to talk about that a lot more but we do have to take our first break and when we come back uh we'll talk about randy gillen's nhl career more specifically his time wearing the black and gold and winning stanley cup in 1991 he's randy gillen i'm phil bork and you're listening to good hockey talk here on The x welcome back to good hockey talk here on 105.9 The i am phil bork here with former penguin forward randy gillen and uh gillie what do you remember about June the sixth? Uh, excuse me, June the seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine, uh, trade with the Winnipeg Jets. Yourself with Jim Kite and Andrew McBain uh, coming to the Penguins for Randy Cunnyworth, Dave McElwain, and Rick Tabarachi.
1: Well, it, it, I was, I'll tell you this, this is this is absolutely true. I was I was in the gym with a couple of the players on the Jets, and the draft was on the radio, and we were listening to the draft and. Uh, the Winnipeg reporter came on and said there's just been a deal done between, uh, between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, when the details get announced, we'll let you know. I finished working out, got in my car, drove home, walked into my house, sat down to have lunch with my wife, and the phone rang, and it was Tony Esposito. Wow. And uh, I was a hometown guy in Winnipeg. But I can tell you, it was the it was the move that changed my life uh, for the better. It, it was just uh, it gave me an opportunity to play, to go to a great team, to win a Stanley Cup. It was just uh, it was it was just an amazing move for me, and uh, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, to, to be able to win a Stanley Cup was the ultimate. You
0: you wore a bunch of different numbers, also uh, here with the Penguins. Obviously, you wore a number fifteen, but uh, you wanted to wear a number nineteen. And the Penguins pick up this this guy, this Hall of Famer that was, uh, you know, not too shabby of a hockey player, Brian Trottier. I want you to talk about this story a little bit because the way I understand it, that uh, you know, Trott's you know pretty unassuming guy, didn't really make a big deal out of it, but um, he was gonna wear number 91, and you went, no, that's. Trot J can't wear 90. Well, he's number 19. And you switched the number there. You wore a bunch of different numbers, 15, 16, 20, um, you know, 39 in Winnipeg. Any, any uh, story about you know what number was important to you? And was that an easy decision to give up your, your number 19 for Trot?
1: Uh, that was the easiest decision I could make. I, I had worn nineteen. I, I had worn nineteen all through junior.
0: Okay, and
1: uh, it was a number that I, I kind of liked and everything. And it's funny because after I switched to fifteen, I wanted to wear fifteen everywhere else and did yeah, pretty yeah. well through, through sure. the rest of my career. But uh, the, the Brian Trace story was was uh, we signed Trots in the summer, if you remember Borky and uh, I never even thought much about the number situation to tell you the truth. Sure. And I remember getting into Pittsburgh on Labor Day long weekend, I think it was, and and driving in and and walking into practice the first day. And camp wasn't due to start for about another week. But uh, Stevie Latin had all the sweaters already hung up and things like that. I remember walking in and walking by Trotz's locker and looking and seeing 91 and just stopping and saying, (laughs) looking at my locker and seeing 19 and just i walked I literally walked right down the <laughs> hall to, to to stevie latin's office and said uh, this can't happen like uh and i hadn't even thought about it all summer i hadn't even thought about the number situation, but it was a week before training camp I walked in uh to the locker room and saw the sweaters hanging and thought this isn't right, so that's how I switched from uh from 19 to
0: 15. Well, you know I'm a big numbers guy, Gilly, uh, and you know I'm a big karma guy. I'm a a true believer that things kind of come full circle. Well, the number 19 comes full circle for you because on April the 19th, 1991, one of the most memorable goals ever by Randy Gillen. What do you remember? Playing the Washington Capitals, Patrick Division Final. (laughs) We're down one game to nothing. Late in the game, Frank Peterangelo's in goal. Delayed penalty on Tim Berglund from the Washington Capitals. Nobody's up. I remember I was next to you on the bench, and you're always into the game. You're always like, who's up? Who's up? Who's going? Who's going? Delayed call. Nobody jumped over the boards. Who jumps over the boards? Randy Gillen jumps over the boards and scores an unbelievable goal to tie the game. Big Artie wins it in overtime. What do you remember about all that?
1: I remember just the way you (laughs) described it. I remember sitting there, and and if you remember, Borky, it was always a rule that – you know when the goalie came usually the next center up jumped yeah. or mario right. so uh, right. it, it didn't matter usually mario would go over or the next center up and i remember uh no nobody was ready to go so i i just hopped over and uh and literally took about 10 strides and the puck right came right down the middle of the sloth to me and i put it in and tied the game and uh you know obviously a real special goal for me and uh you know Funny moment the next day, you know. Uh, Bob Johnson said, "Great goal, but don't ever jump again." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was only four and a half minutes left in regulation when you scored that goal, and I could still, I could still see it uh, in my in my vision in my head right now. That just beautiful goal and the celebration and the the place going nuts, uh, and that's what you need, as you know, Gilly, to win Stanley Cups. Uh, but you know, you bounced around a little bit after that, um, and the next year actually. You're playing for the New York Rangers, right? And you you have to play against yeah. the Penguins again. That you, I mean, I remember going up against you and um you know, it was a weird feeling to see you playing for the Rangers the next year.
1: That was that was a tough one. Uh, yeah. I I really liked my time in New York. We had a really good team. That was uh we we uh, actually won the Presidents Trophy that year in New York and if you remember right. Borky, that was the year of the uh I think that there was a strike, not a lockout, but a strike for about two weeks. And yeah, it really took a lot it, yeah. of momentum away. Yeah, really took a lot of momentum away from our team. And uh, meeting the Penguins in the playoffs—that was hard. That was that was tough. Uh, you know, when you're on the other side, I was wearing a Ranger sweater at the time, and as I said, loved the team that I was on there. You know, I loved playing for Roger Nielsen, Man. and uh, but going up and and you know how how a tough playoff series can be there. They're a real grind and uh and you know, real face to face and man to man uh battles and yeah. uh to battle the same guys that you you won a cup with here before was tough, but uh you know, it was a great series and uh you know, I i, I think uh you guys kinda of found your legs and if you remember that, I think you guys were down to Washington it might have been two or three one or three one, three yeah. Nothing.
0: Three one, yep. yeah,
1: and, and came back and so we knew in New York that you guys were rolling again
0: and, and it was going to be a real tough series. Yeah, it was, and uh, that was, of course, the uh, Adam Graves slash on Mario yeah. and the uh, really the emergence of uh, Yarma Yager, who just seemed to take over in that series. Gilly, let's take our final break. Uh, we got so much to talk about, but we only have one more segment to go, so uh, we'll try to get as much in in our final segment. He's Randy Gillen, and I'm Phil Bork, and you're listening to Good Hockey Talk here on 105.9 The X. Welcome back to Good Hockey Talk. I'm Phil Bork here with former Penguin Randy Gillen. And uh, Gilly, uh, as your career was winding down, you went back and played uh, for the Manitoba Moose there in Winnipeg. Uh, You stuck your toe a little bit in the coaching uh, part. Uh, I think Randy Carlisle was the head coach there at the time. And, uh, you know, you probably played with Kitty, former Penguin, also, and tried uh, your hand at, at coaching. And you realized, I don't want to be at the rink for. 12 hours a day and it, it didn't seem to be for you, but, uh, any regrets there on, on maybe being a coach?
1: No, I, I, I love coaching, but you hit the nail right on the head. I, I had moved around enough as a player and it, it got to the point where I was never home. I, I, I had, my son was playing minor hockey at the time. And I think that year I saw him play three games and, uh, it, it was just, uh, it it was just it got to the situation where i realized that one of two things was going to happen if i was going to be any good at this i was going to have to move again or i'd get fired so um so i thought it was just time to maybe move on try a new career but uh you know, obviously, I missed the game, but the one thing that's great about the game is you, you can always keep in contact with the guys that play right. you played with. Right.
0: Hey, you and I have something in common. Uh, we've talked about this. Uh, my son Madison and and your son Scott uh, were born um, with uh, with a hearing problem. I'm uh, just wondering how your your son Scott is doing and what is he doing.
1: Yeah, my son Scott's doing great. Um, yeah, Borky, that, that's the one thing we have in common. My. My son is, uh, you know, legally deaf. Um, he uh, the amazing clinic. One of the reasons I stayed in Winnipeg and didn't move around was they, they taught deaf kids how to speak here, and my son's yeah. doing great right now. He actually, uh, he, he's a meat cutter, butcher at Costco. He's got a, he's a guy kid. Gets up every morning, goes to work, and oh. I'm really proud of what he's accomplished with his impairment.
0: Fantastic, and for I think for about twenty years now. Uh you've been in the orthopedic medical device sales. Uh what got you into that? And um, how's how's business?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I got into that because uh, the team doctor uh for the Jets and then the Moose uh I, I became really good friends with them and when when I decided to step away from coaching, he, he uh he pulled me aside and said, I've got a tremendous opportunity for you. Uh, a friend of mine is the, is the general manager of an orthopedic company, and he's looking for distributors, um... So, I kind of got into that and I took, it took a beating for a while, but learned the business. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's interesting and everything changes. And uh, it's been good. The last, uh, like everybody else with their businesses, the last year it's been a little bit of a grind. And it's been tough with surgeries being cut down and, and uh, suspended at times here in Canada. But uh, definitely was a great move for me and I've really enjoyed it.
0: And are you a big fin- fisherman?
1: I love the fish.
0: Yeah, I, I read something where that's part of why you love that area, and most people kind of roll their eyes when they think of the winters in Winnipeg, but the summers are great, right? And and cottage country, and uh, what is White Shell? I read something about White Shell. Is that is that yeah. an area, cottage area?
1: Yeah, that's. I actually have a I actually have a cottage in the White Shell, right on the Ontario Manitoba border. Uh, for some of your listeners, right up by Lake of the Woods. And uh, we spend a lot of time there. Our place is fully winterized, so we can use it all year round. And uh, it's, uh, it's become a gathering place for our family. Uh, my daughter has four little ones. and oh, wow. Uh, so, so, so she's there quite a bit with her husband and, and our grandkids. And it's become a, a real gathering place and a fun place for us all to hang out.
0: Last one, uh, Gilly, because uh, when I brought you on, I, I mentioned you're kind of the unofficial mayor of Winnipeg. I've never met anybody that loves the area like you do. Uh, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Greatest Winnipeg Jet, not WHA, ever. Who is it?
1: Greatest? Oh, it has to be Dale Howarchuk, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Dale was just uh, – and, and the reason I say Dale is Dale came in in an era that was uh, – when Wayne Gretzky was in Edmonton, uh, the old Smite division where they had a matchup and play Edmonton so much, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of great, great, great players. But it, I have to say Dale Howard Chuck for sure. Just uh, amazing numbers, an amazing player, uh, great person, a terrible loss when we lost him last year to cancer. But, uh, yeah, Dale Howard Chuck is is the first name that jumps right out at me.
0: I agree with you, and you're right. Uh, It it was kind of a shame that he kind of flew underneath the radar with Mario and Wayne and what they were doing, but uh, it was great uh, in his passing that a lot of uh, video and a lot of people – talked about how great of a player Dale Howardchuck was because he deserved the due, and he got it. Gilly, this was an absolute blast. Uh, It's so great to catch up with you. You know how much we love you here in Pittsburgh, how important of a piece of the puzzle you were in that 91 championship. Great memories, man, and uh, thanks for taking the time to do this.
1: No problem, Borky. I miss it there so much.
0: All right, that's Randy Gillen. And you just listened to Good Hockey Talk here on 105.9 The X. Good night, everyone. See you at the rink.